And welcome back to All Things Whiskey Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Alcall. Deb Mitchell. And joining us tonight, through the power of the internet, very special guest, Mr. Brian Bean, the owner-founder partner at Kennedy Castle Spirits. Brian, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Absolutely. Thanks so much for joining us. I think, you know, we did a little bit of pre-talk here, and I think this is the coolest part about running this show is that we get to pick the guests that we bring on. And you had quite the sales pitch for us when you you reached out to us. So um, can you tell us just a little bit about yourself and why you got into Irish whiskey? Yeah, I'm, uh, I grew up on the East Coast of D.C. where people tend to cling to their heritage, and I clung to an Irish heritage, which didn't do much for me. I spent, uh, uh, I, I suppose it gave me a fighting spirit, as they say, and uh, left DC pretty early in my life at uh, 21 years old. Got a, went in the army as a, a helicopter pilot and flew in special operations for a little over 20 years uh, and ended up here in McDill, near McDill Air Force Base in Florida, where I spend way too much time in one of the best Irish pubs in the country, Four Green Fields. Um, at Four Green Fields, the owner of that pub, who is now my partner in the whiskey, um, one late night decided we should buy an Irish castle, which sounded like a great idea. As but, people uh, do at late <laughs> nights at bars. Yeah, yeah of I was course. Gonna and, say. And, yeah. And I think most people end up not doing it. And uh, those are the smart ones, I guess. But uh we somehow found a way to uh, build a buy a castle. Uh, it's 37 bedrooms, built in 1209. It's haunted, so as we say, it's uh, been serving spirits since 1209. Nice. Uh, it's good the pitch. castle operates as a hotel, and it's got the best bar in it is the Dungeon Bar. It's uh, reputed to be haunted, which we, we like. Um, it's 37 bedrooms, so the original business model was find 37 friends with about a million dollars each, but uh, we don't have 37 <laughs> friends who are between us at a million dollars. And yet somehow we put a plan together and bought the castle. A couple uh, trips into it, you know, like about a year into it, we kind of knew we wanted to do something with the growing Irish whiskey um, phenomena that was happening or craft beer or something. And we were very fortunate to early on meet John Teeling who most people know, but uh, for those who right. know more about American whiskey than Irish whiskey, John is the godfather of the renaissance of Irish whiskey. And what he told us was, you need two things to have a good brand. You need to have a fascinating story and a taste that people like. He says, I'll take care of your taste. You've already got the story. So um, we launched into a whiskey brand with John. He's been a great mentor. Um, he sources our whiskey for us. And we can talk more about that in a bit, but he's uh, that was in 2020. So again, what makes an army officer think he should buy a castle? I don't know. Probably the same thing that makes an army officer decide to uh, get into the whiskey business in February of 2020. So just in time for COVID, we were sure. figuring out how to do a business 3,000 oceanic miles away. And yet somehow we ended up where we are now. And I think we're uh, on the precipice of a really great uh, product and brand. Yeah, that is a great story. And a couple of things there too. Thank you for your service. 20 years flying helicopters. We just honored our veterans on Veterans Day. 
and we i wound up giving away a bottle of uh, bardstown rye it's another lot of a lot of veterans in bardstown bourbon company all the way up to the executive level too so i thought that was a fitting he and i served together really yeah yeah. oh yeah mark mark Irwin and you served together huh yes mark and i served together and i (laughs) served with the boys served with the guys and horse soldiers too so it's a it's a very interesting phenomena the number of veterans and particularly special ops veterans who have gravitated into this industry and uh yeah sure i mean we had no idea yeah we're helping each other out um i put in a plug for another brand i love norm hooten at hooten young is another good friend and uh He's, he's got what I think is a fantastic product. And uh, we all work together. We do tastings together, raise money for veterans charities. And I think there's plenty of space for that. Um, and in this third act, you know, they say you never get a third act, but you better make the most of it. And I think Mark and the horse soldier guys and uh, certainly who are doing that. Yeah. I mean, that just makes the, the story even that much better. And what a small world after all, because I, you know, I, competed in world's top whiskey taster and won in 2021 at Bardstown mm-hmm. bourbon company. So, um, those guys, I will be their champions for life. I, I love what they're doing. Their state age product is great. And it's a, it's a small community there. And I think having veterans in whiskey is a nice change of pace from the other profession that we usually see getting into whiskey, which is lawyers. <laughs> yeah. Yes, indeed. Uh, you know, it's, well, it's no surprise that veterans end up at the front end of the supply chain at some point. We spent 20 years. Yeah. You know, whiskey is such a a tricky landscape to navigate. Sometimes I think you need to, you need to speak fluent legalese to get some of the things there in in 50 different ways. And and you got to speak like a 1920s prohibition lawyer, you know, sometimes (laughs) I feel like it should be, Hey guys, what are you doing there? You need to catch pajamas because that's what the freaking laws are like. They're not current (laughs) at all. Yeah. Sure. Well, what a story. Again, what a small world. And now we have Kennedy Castle Spirits, and you have a number of Irish whiskeys that you have. Uh, are you making any other spirits yeah, we, there, we too? Have a, we have a gin as well, um, which I didn't send you guys because that's not in the title of your podcast. Yep. Um, I'm, not a, I'm, not a, I'm not a big gin drinker, um, but we went with an Irish gin. It's made out of botanicals that are harvested um, right on the grounds of Kennedy Castle. So some botanicals that are unique to the Midlands of Ireland, where the castle is conveniently located, almost exactly equidistant from Tullamore, where Tullamore Dew is, right. and from Kilbegan, where Kilbegan comes from. Okay, so sure. Makes a really nice, anybody considering a, a whiskey, they're just kind of building out the Irish whiskey trail. Um, so we'll be a convenient place where you can actually drink and sleep as opposed to uh, Tullamore and Kilbegan. And we work in a great partnership with them as well. Sure. And you've got um, Barry Chandler and Sips and Stories doing the whiskey bust around the Emerald Isle now too. So I'm sure they'll have to make a stop off at uh, at Kennedy. Yeah, we we've, we're, get a lot of tours in there. We're starting to get into that whiskey tourism. We've been pretty good on the golf tourism as well, um, just because we're centrally located. And there's a music connection for, and there's a great Irish population in your home base in Colorado, but one of our partners in the castle is a gentleman named Derek Warfield. And Derek is a founding member of the band, The Wolf Tones. So if you've ever listened to Irish rebel music, you would have heard songs Derek wrote and sang on. And okay. uh, we've had Sinead O'Connor at the pub 
Um, so it's been a real um, joy for me to get rolled in and invited into really the the central parts of Irish music culture and Irish Irish culture in general. Sure. And then where Kennedy is too, pretty centrally located, like you like you said. I mean, I think you throw a dart at the center of the map of Ireland, you get pretty close to Kennedy Castle there, right? Yeah, exactly. Mike, we're like the um the thing in Oh Brother We're Out There. We're we're a geographic anomaly. An hour and a half <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> yeah. And Rose and I were there in 2022. You know, I proposed to her in Killarney National Park. So oh, beautiful spot. Good good uh Good call on your part. She probably couldn't have said no there. Thank right? you. You know, we were going to. You needed gonna, every, all the help you could get, I'm sure. So Yeah. I was going to do it at Torque Waterfall, but we were going to ride bike seven miles to get there. And I was like, it's yeah. going to be secluded, beautiful, serene. We pull up and there's a tourist bus drop off right there. So there's <laughs> thousands of people around. And I was just kicking myself because I was like, man, I thought this was going to be the spot. But we pulled over to a beautiful little spot next to the lake overlooking the lock there. And it was yeah. That was the time. I've done and that moment. bicycle tour there myself, and we, that is a beautiful spot. We took like thirty pictures next to the waterfall. It was our first stop. Little do we know, in five days, it was going to be kind of the least thing we saw. Yeah. <laughs> if only you knew someone that could get you up to the top of a castle. Oh man, missed out. <laughs> That's my biggest regret about going to Ireland is not knowing that Kennedy Castle Spirits was there. Well, it's, uh, <laughs> they're still flying Ireland, brother. You can come anytime, and we'll there take you care. go. I was going to say, Siri, play uh, shares if I could turn back time. <laughs> <laughs> Again? <laughs> I think you've had enough today, Mike. Hey, we can go live. Uh, one of the greatest moments of my life was uh, proposing to my wife. Um, surprisingly, she said yes. And I, I think she would do it again if I asked her. I've got a pretty high confidence level on that. Yeah. But going back to Kennedy, so you've got to the southwest, you've got Cork and Middleton mm-hmm. Distillery. And then to the northeast, you've got... Uh, Belfast in Northern Ireland, and then straight east, largely you have Dublin. Straight Dublin. west, you've got Galway, yep. and like you said, you're just the geographic anomaly right in the middle of all of that. Yeah. When we started in 2020, there were 17 brands coming out of Ireland, and at Whiskey Live in Dublin last June, there were 46. Wow! So, uh, it, it's growing and. Uh, it's it's good. I think um, there's there's as I said before. I think there's room. We all owe a lot to Jamesons and and Tullamore, of course, and Bushmills, Middleton. But uh, there's some there's some. Uh, somebody just asked me the other day. They're heading to Ireland. They wanted to know about the Jamesons tour and this tour. I'm like, go see the smaller distilleries. You know, sure. Pierce Lyons is a beautiful one. Keelings is one of the best tours in Dublin, in my opinion. Um, there's some out on the uh, on the. Uh, Aaron Islands, or Ackle Islands, I'm sorry, which is where uh, the Banshees of Inniskillen was filmed. So there's pretty much any trip you take to Ireland now, you can pop into a distillery or someone doing local stuff. Yeah, and we did we did Powers Court when we were down there, too, oh, for yeah. Colin, yeah. and we swung by Dingle. We mm-hmm. actually tried to go to Writer's Tears, but they don't actually have a facility. They source from Middleton. They don't have like a tour or anything you can do. Um, you've got Waterford now too, which is also a beautiful place we stopped by. Uh, we got a lot of tours in in a short time and we did uh, an, just so much stuff when we were in Ireland. So I think that's just a bump for the country in general is yes. go to Ireland. People that know and have been there will know it's just such a beautiful and rich 
culturally amazing place. People that haven't been, you'll be astounded when you get there and you get to see the different uh, looks of the countryside, the mountains, the hills, the cliffs, everything. Uh, it was I was just dumbfounded by how beautiful the country it was. My oldest son always says that uh, the problem with Ireland looks exactly like a postcard. It looks exactly like you think it would. <laughs> yeah. It's photoshopped, right? It's beautiful. And I tell folks it's one of the few places that they just love the American accent. You know, I travel a lot and did a lot in the military as well. And when in doubt, I would tell people I was Canadian so they didn't just hate on me. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was going to say they probably don't like it that much. <laughs> yeah, you, you, go to, you tell them you're Canadian, you just apologize for everything and they believe it. But um, yeah, right. I, Sorry. It's, it's, uh, it's great. You know, within two sentences, you're, I got a cousin that moved there and, and you're just having, a, having the crack, as they say. It's a great place. Yeah, having the crack. And it's been the who's um dunquin in the background there has yeah. been my background on my phone since i went there and then the unlock is the picture of rose's hand with the ring right in the back of uh, killarney there um incredible place i can see why you'd want to buy a castle and i commend yeah. you for actually going through with it so that is quite the feat um when did you purchase the castle when was this we act we closed on it in august of 2015 after about a two and a half three year um, effort, which has lots of twists and turns and stories, uh, the last of which involves me wiring money from my Harley um, in Sheridan, Wyoming, because the exchange rate changed at the last minute. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, There's some <laughs> wild stuff there. But 2015 was important to us because April 2016 was the 100-year anniversary of the Irish Proclamation of Independence, the Easter Uprising, and we, we wanted to get our foot in the ground before that started and and participate in essentially their centennial celebration, which was another awesome experience. I have to know, though, how long was that castle on the market before you guys had any interest? Like 50 what? years? Uh, pro- well, 40 probably years. about two years. That's and it? The first, the first, the guy selling it, and I, we owe him all the credit in the world yeah. for turning the castle into a hotel. Um, it had been the Academy for Irish Forestry before we took it over. Oh, okay. Interesting in that Ireland is the second least forested country in Europe, and yet that's where the Forest Academy was. So <laughs> um, they uh, he put it up for market, way overpriced. Uh, that's when we first saw it, just as a joke. You know, again, 37 bedrooms, a million each, we could probably buy it. And then we just watched it come down and down and down, a bank foreclosed on it. Um, and it was in foreclosure for two years. So we finally closed on it and occupied it. My partner had seen it. I'd never even been. Um, so we, we go over there and half the staff quit. Um, they, they, we, they were managing the place under wacky rules that a, you would imagine a bank would manage a hotel over. And uh, yeah. it's been a couple of years correcting that. You know, there was no Wi-Fi in the hotel when we took it over. You can't have a corporate hotel or a wedding hotel without Wi-Fi. So we've, we've done all a lot of things that most people wouldn't even see, but it's beautiful. It's spectacular. I encourage anybody listening to look at the website, Kennedy Castle Hotel, um, or any of our socials, and it's it's a spectacular place. It really is. Yeah, it looked beautiful when I looked through the website and looked at the pictures in the gallery there, too. And with the distillery, when did you start making whiskey there? Yeah, so that process, again, we met with John uh, Teeling in the first time in 21. And in a couple of days after New Year's Eve, 
of 2020, uh, we had a team go over there, met with John up at his distillery at Great Northern Distillery. They, like Bardstown, source a lot of the juice for Irish whiskey. I, on any given day, the number changes, but it's in excess of 40% of Irish whiskey is being sourced by Great Northern. Um, toward, that was our second tour of the facility, but we started dialing in the taste and we got uh, the dapper and the 10 year old probably to 50% of the way to what we wanted. And we'll talk a bit more about the dapper process in a bit, I guess, but then COVID hit and we actually finished the uh, dialing in our, our specific recipe for the 10 year old through the mail during COVID, which was, we would sit around like kids on Christmas Eve waiting for the shoe box to come from Dublin. And it had, <laughs> yeah. you know, vials full of numbered, uh, numbered juices in it. And we would, yeah, a little bit less like number seven, a little bit more like number eight, and finally settled on the award-winning number 10, the 10-year-old that we have. Is Great Northern related to Cooley Distillery? Yes, yes. Uh, when when John Teeling's, I'll get some of the story wrong, and hopefully I won't be, won't get in too much trouble with the broad strokes. <laughs> sure. are when John, John ran Cooley, and he ran Kilbagan, and when Kilbagan was bought and John was bought out, he had a lot of Cooley whiskey, so aged whiskey in reserve. Um, and at some point, you know, John, he's a very smart guy. He went to uh, grad school in the States he, with, uh, I think with President Trump, as, as he's told me. Um, never had a drop of whiskey in his life. Uh, another fascinating part of him. But uh, he, uh, so he had a chance to redo the Irish whiskey market. Uh, he really wanted to bring Irish whiskey distilling back into central Dublin, which he did with his sons at Teeling. Um, and then he just started doing Great Northern with a lot of Cooley whiskey. So that's a lot of what we have and why as a small batch, we were allowed to enter the market with a 10 year old right away was through that relationship and, um, John having faith in us. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I think most of, I mean, all those 46 distilleries that you were talking about, like, I think I would assume at least half of them source Middleton. We started with a Great Northern Cooley product. So okay. Great Northern sources, Middleton sources, as I understand it. Who is it over in Dingle is starting to source for some of the smaller batch folks as they've grown. We looked at them first, actually. And then somebody said, you need to go see John. And it wasn't uh, anything against um, the, the west side of the country. It's just when you have a chance to meet with the man, you take the meeting, you know? So sure, right. you have before that Irish whiskey renaissance began too, you had the two surviving distilleries. You had Middleton, yeah. which was in Dublin, and then they united in Cork, Ireland, yeah. and then you had Bushmills. Bushmills so then you have yeah. Teeling coming out and kind of helping kick off the Irish renaissance. Yeah. And Absolutely. it seems like there's some great new brands coming out. So we were excited to look into Kennedy and talk more about this. Well, I think there are, and I think it's a great, I, I grew up a bourbon drinker more than Irish, and uh, and I didn't want to lose that as we moved towards the Irish, and I think our 10-year-old has at least an homage to to American bourbon. Um, but yeah, it's for, for those who've only done a lot of American whiskeys, so certainly scotch, and I'm in a lot of different bourbon clubs and groups, and there's always talk about finding Japanese and Chinese whiskeys, and that's all exciting, but you're yeah, you know, you're missing the fastest growing spirit in the world if you if you overlook Ireland. And it's a great change of pace, I think. 
Yeah. And I think, you know, there are these legacy brands that are making exceptional products. Middleton makes some of the best whiskeys in the world. The spot lineup is fantastic. Red breast is fantastic. They sadly are becoming more and more expensive as we go on. I saw blue spots. New MSRP is $279. They use a mature whiskey in there too, but the youngest one is seven years. So they have to label it as such, but 279, almost 300 bucks at that point. Yeah. Red breast 27, I think is going upwards of six, $700 now. And the prices just keep getting steeper and steeper. So I think there is a, a need to explore new brands that are going to have a, an, good economical price point for you that was important to us you know and red breast 12 is one of my favorites it, it was sure. my uh it was probably my taste stalking horse as we started to die yeah in. i think that's like the best starting point for anyone wanting to try a yeah uh, irish so. whiskey in my opinion absolutely but one of the things we said and we we use it in a lot of our marketing is we wanted authenticity and we have that in that you know if you go as you said you go to some places in ireland you can get the whiskey and it'll it'll have the word castle in the title or it'll have the name of a lake or something in the title. And there's nothing there. Um, we wanted a place that you go to Kennedy Castle, you can sit in Kennedy Castle next to a peat fire, listen to Irish music uh, and drink our whiskey and meet real, authentic Midland people. So authenticity was important to us. But to, part, to your point about price, it had to be approachable, you know, for before COVID and all that, and before, I guess, before the TV show Justified, um, you could go get a bottle of Blanton's yeah, sure. just about anywhere for a reasonable price. And now that it's for years, you couldn't find it. Now it is what it is price-wise. We kind of didn't want to do that um, on, on the 10-year-old at least. So I yeah, think right. we're at an accessible and approachable price. Our marketing demographic on the Dapper is pretty specific too. So That's one of my favorite games to play is and watching TV shows is where did they sneak in the Blantons? We right. saw it in uh, Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. You got it in John Wick, Bang, Big Bang Theory, yeah. uh, Yellowstone. They snuck in the Weller 12. I mean, Sazerac right. and Buffalo Trace does a lot to market their products in these TV shows. And, you know, I, I want to be perfectly clear too. really love a lot of Middleton expressions, but the, right. it makes me sad that the price point has gotten you know, unaffordable. I think that for me is enough to start branching out and looking into these other products. And if you have a quality product, you have the authenticity, you've got a great story. It looks like we have got three awesome. Checks all the boxes for me. Awesome new whiskeys to try here too. I think so. I appreciate already done with one. (laughs) (laughs) So I got the 10 year in the glass here and it's very good. What a smooth segue into checking out. I think we should do the dapper first you want to start off with that one sure um uh, the dapper blend is kind of an interesting backstory of how we came up with that though it comes back to john being a not just an innovator and a smart business guy he said look back to your your point about who's moving to irish whiskeys who's drinking what price point going up we wanted an entry-level whiskey specifically geared towards the millennial drinker you know we, we were associated with a couple of pubs you know, the the microbrewery shift was, give me a dad beer, give me a, since we're talking in Colorado, give me a Coors, and you switch from that <laughs> to, sure. want to try our local thing, right? So we said, what does everybody ask for in the pub? Jameson and ginger ale. So give me a Jamie and ginger. Well, what's the pivot as you're getting a little older? For a few bucks more per bottle, almost nothing more per shot, 
we wanted to get into are what became the dapper blend. But the fascinating thing from Great Northern and from John was he said he had some not yet past apprentice, but not yet master blenders and distillers who could help us design a taste for the younger palate. I called BS on it. I'm like, great core blonde country song. I want old men making my whiskey. Um, <laughs> sure. But not true, right? They, they actually dialed it in pretty well. And in my experience with tastings and family gatherings, the younger demographic gravitates towards the dapper well as a an in- entry into Irish whiskeys. And then that's why the bot- the label looks like it does. We, you know, we got the kind of cool looking skeleton dapper dude on there so that when you show I don't know if that was like a castle ghost or something. That's the castle that you guys ghost. Got or... Yeah, it's one of one of two, I guess. Um, and he looks like a, you know, a hipster guy. Um, uh, he dresses like Connor McDavid, and uh, oh yeah, he, you know, he can walk right. You can walk into a, a party, and young people want to be different. They want to be a discoverer, a first early adopter of things. And we thought the Dapper Blend brought us into that. So it's um. Interesting whiskey. Uh, you're tasting it now. And um, if you want to taste it first and tell me what you think, I can tell you a little bit about the taste. Well, oh, yeah, let me dive into it here. Cheers. Thank you for for getting us some of this whiskey to try. You're welcome. Devin's going to go grab a new glass here, too. So bear with us. We're sitting in the kitchen, by the way, and then just off to the uh, off to the right here is our home bar. So we've got That's nice. quite That's the selection of spirits there. Um, I'm also pretty kind excited. Of I got him. I did a built-in bar in my downsize, got a smaller house, really proud of it. All my friends were envious. And then I went on the web, everybody's social and I'm an amateur. It's really bad. <laughs> you know, some of the money and coin people are spending on not only the product, but the furniture to house it is pretty amazing to me. Yeah. You know, I think we, I built the shelves. So I think we did it on a, a pretty good budget the product we spent a lot of money on but i'll tell you what if you go out on social media there's always going to be somebody that spent more money than you yeah i saw one recently it was, it was the john wick bar essentially it was gun vault on one side bourbon on the other <laughs> there's always someone that makes more money yeah that's what i tell or myself every day <laughs> spending it differently <laughs> yep it's got a great note i think the nose smells like classic irish to me you get a lot of those toffees the butterscotch the vanilla yeah big old scoop of vanilla ice cream i don't know what why we say it with that accent every time we do but i think just saying a big old scoop of vanilla ice cream is like that's just that's come to be just second nature with drinking classic irish whiskeys i think it's fruity on the palate too very juicy it's got kind of like a, a bit of almost like a champagne dryness on the back end too yeah i was thinking it was like a little kind of like a little peppery on the finish a little pepper yeah like a white pepper yeah, I get a lot of like honey and maple and stuff on the palate. Fantastic age, nose. Well, thank you. We age it in, this one's in a virgin American oak. So that's some of the mineral coming out, I think, is getting that extra wood out of the uh, the virgin American oak. It's There's no age statement on the dapper. So it's it's about four years old, generally. Um, there's uh, It's a mix of double and triple distilled malts, which gives it a little bit you know, most coolie is double distilled. Most Irish is triple distilled. Distilled, right. so you're getting a, a bit of both, as um, as Star Lord says, a bit of both. Um, <laughs> and, uh, so that, that's the that's the main difference in it for us is the, the virgin cask and the the mix of double and triple distilled malts, and then as you, as you picked up on the, the vanilla 
Um, I don't know about the peppery hairs again. I, as I mentioned in my email to you, my, my nose has been moved around my face a few times, so I don't taste everything as well as I should, <laughs> but I know what I like. So, so I think, I think that's the oak coming out on the finish to me, that kind of like pepperiness. Yeah. I, wouldn't imagine that's the case. Yeah. And I, I think you need kudos for using, you know, virgin American oak here too, because it's especially in a lot of Irish whiskey and a lot of scotch, we see used American oak. And we've had some conversations recently with the you know, Dr. Collins at Washington State University who said a lot of scotch distillers prefer the used oak because they don't want to over oak their spirits. Yeah. But also you don't get a as much of the wood sugars and the penetration into your whiskey when you're using used oak as opposed to new oak. Right. And I, I think that that definitely comes through. This is about four years, you said? Yeah, it's about four years. Um, we, we're not going to pin down an age statement, uh, but it's, sure. it's in the four-year mark. And I'm sure most of, or all of your listeners know what it takes to be an Irish whiskey. So some of the new lower Irish whiskey is probably the three-year one day mark uh, to qualify as the three years on the island. Uh, we're, we're not doing anything that young, which I think is allows us to separate from some of those. Some of the 46 brands coming to market are racing the market and, you know, suffering in taste accordingly. Well, you took the next question right out of my mouth there where I was going to ask you, you know, say three years minimum age statement for Irish yep. whiskey and some of the other it has to be aged in a wooden cask, which is one of my favorite in wooden, Irish. In a wooden cask on the island of Ireland for a minimum of three years. Um, it's got to be minimum mix is 30% malted and 30% unmalted barley. And then uh, less than 5% of other cereals. So there's that's where there's room to play with, with that. Uh, that gotcha. Case. And I see here it's matured in Shabali's wine casks. Shabali's wine cask at the very end, yeah. Okay. And what's the how long is the maturation process in that wine? That's months. That's why you know the, at somewhere after the three year mark, it goes into the Shabali cask, and then in, when it gets to that right flavor point, based on the age of the whiskey and the the used cask, is when it's it's pulled out. So it's not a specific age. Interesting. Okay. Chablis is the north northernmost wine district of the Burgundy region of France. Its climate produces wines with more acidity and less fruitiness than a Chardonnay. Often has a flinty note is how they describe it. You can see how that would work well with aging in whiskey. A dry white wine. That's really what I was getting at. Yeah. Like a Pinot Grigio. Yeah. You know, and, and wine cask finishes are hot. Like, you know, you get... Uh, I think some of my favorites that I've seen have been some of the Sauternes cask finish. Yeah, I think those come through nice. Sauternes and rye, the sweetness plays with that spiciness really well. I think the dry white wine playing with the the sweetness of the Irish whiskey here and some of those wood sugars and fruity notes coming out works together really well. Well, thank you. And one of the things you'll notice if you put the bottles up, and at the end of this, I'm going to give you a test when you put the bottles next to one another, but uh, it's a little darker. So that's that virgin mm -hmm. oak. And when we have them on a, a pedestal or a you know typical where you may mount them in your, your home bar, that stands out. The darkness definitely comes out. Right. Yeah. And uh, remind me, Irish whiskey, no color added. Is that correct? No, there may be colors added, but it's okay. all natural. There's no um, unnatural flavors or 
in our whiskey, uh, I, we're not putting any caramel flavor, uh, you know, and we're going to talk cider cask here. That's coming from the cask. It's not dropping a Jolly Rancher in there at the last minute, you know, or something like that. Speaking of a whiskey, and I love another flawless segue that you can mix with Jameson. When I was drinking the Kennedy Castle cider cask finish at our friend's givings, I said, I bet this would go damn well with a with ginger ale. I, just yeah. the smell, the flavor, that profile, I think would work great. And so my buddy went and made one and I tried it and he uh, made a real stiff drink. He did kind of a 50-50 thing. So <laughs> I think the whiskey was very pronounced in it, but the flavor profile was great. I think my, my hypothesis was pretty good that that was going to be a winner. What a great uh, like holiday drink too. Sure. That was Max, by the way, the guy that plays the guitar in the beginning of our podcast. Yeah. Did a little 50-50 whiskey, whiskey nice. gin- ginger. So let's dive in. I'm going to pour a little yeah, so bit going, of this here to too. The cider now? Okay. Yeah. So the um, other mixes for the cider is we have a cigar bar here in Florida who paired it into an old fashioned, which surprised me at first, but it really came out really nice. It was kind of more citrusy. Um, you know, you already got the apple in there. So they went with the orange bitters a little heavier and less sweet. And it really made a pretty refreshing old fashioned and paired well in a cigar bar overlooking the Gulf of Mexico. Yeah. I, I that can't sounds guarantee really you the Gulf of Mexico in every pairing, but it's nice when you can. When, you know, why you, you got to get the full experience here. So I'm going to do some cork popping noises just because I, I love the ASMR facet here. It's, it's both rare and unique. And again, I said, I got an English degree, not a science degree. So it's rare in that there's not a lot of people putting out single malts of Irish whiskey. There, there are quite a few, but not, it's not the mainstay as you, as most people will sure. know. Right. I think that's going to become rarer as more and more Irish blends come out. The, they've got to source it from the single malt, um, but we're unique as of June, my last survey, we, uh, we're the only ones finishing one in a cider cask. So there are some apple flavors and orange flavors. Oh, yeah. I mean, just huge on the nose. Cider finish and single malt. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I mean, immediately, right? You can tell that that cider cask influence is broken. Yeah. It's like it's just a huge apple pie. Yeah. I mean, I, I love With the a nose big scoop of vanilla I, ice cream. Big scoop of <laughs> vanilla pie. <laughs> you know, I, I, I was... I was blown away by this one when I when I first opened it up and smelled that nose because that cider comes through and that's six months in cider casks. Yeah, yeah. So again, four to four and a half year old uh, single malt, um, and it goes to its last roughly six months in a former cider cask that are mostly sourced from hard cider distilleries in either the north of Ireland or Northern Ireland. Um, where we we get them where we can. Great Northern gets them where they can. There's a boom in ciders too, so those casks are becoming. That's what I was going to ask. Yeah, is cider big in Ireland? Huge, huge. Yeah, yeah. it's um, it's the uh, I don't give too many brands away, but it's the it's the truly of Ireland. You know, if you're not drinking okay. Guinness or whiskey, yeah, people are doing yeah. a cider. Um, Man, I wish we had that instead of truly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, truly is truly awful. You know, while we're enjoying this cider cask, it's I got to tell one of, my... of this millennium. You know? Yeah, yeah, I know. Crazy. I got to tell one of my favorite Irish uh, visits to Ireland stories from our trip is we go to 
Dingle and we're driving along the coast and we go to the westernmost pub in all of Ireland and we walk in and they've got two beers on tap. They had Guinness and Rockshore and Coors Light. (laughs) You know what? Coors Light is the most popular beer we sell at the castle. Really? Yeah. And then Heineken is probably a close second to the Irish, you know, to to the Irish, but and I was I was mad about it because I'm from Denver. So, you know, we yeah. go halfway across the world to the westernmost pub in all of Ireland. And there's Coors Light. And I ordered a Guinness. Burt, Burt Reynolds <laughs> probably didn't drive it there either, right? Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, beautiful place. They film part of uh, Far and Away in that pub. And you can pull up the map and you're just west of Portugal. So you can you can see right there that you're the westernmost pub. It was a, a very fun experience. Um, great whiskey selection over there too. Dingle's uh, one of the most popular tourist places, as you saw. But sometimes that makes me tell people don't go. You know the Yogi Berra thing; it's too crowded. Nobody goes there anymore. But yeah, um, it's you got to go to Dingle. I mean, it, it's in cl- the cliffs. All the the tourist traps are reason are there for a reason, and they're they deserve it. They're good. Yeah, anytime we travel somewhere, we try not to do super touristy stuff. But like you said, it's there for a reason. Yeah, I mean, you can avoid the cliffs of more, but then you just didn't see the cliffs of more. I mean, so exactly, yeah. <laughs> on that, you, know. you know, and there's there's a lot of walking space at the cliffs too, so you can go as yeah. far as you want. Yeah, once you get off the state park, it's uh, it's wild, wild west. You know, it's there's, there's a little rope up there. Says so be careful. That's about it. Yeah, right. Seventeen. Please don't fall over. Bungee cords and everything else in the states. You know, I always go for the touristy things. Like, what do you have to lose? It's either going to be really awesome or it's not, and then you can make fun of it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. works out every time. It's a small over there. It's a small country. You can get away from it pretty quick. Yeah. So back to the cider cask here. I had a friend try it at Thanksgiving. He said he really liked it, and he liked it because it is a little bit spicier on the back end too. And sometimes with Irish whiskeys, you know, especially at forty percent, you know, I've heard the term apologetic spice, where they're kind of like, "Ooh, sorry, is that a too peppery? Oh, oh, sorry, I don't want to hurt your palate there." But, you know, I, I think that is short the mark finishes of, and stuff. The mark of a whiskey is you have that good balance and some of that pepperiness and spice. So my my friend really liked it, too, for that reason, which I thought was an interesting take on it. Well, that's why we tried so hard. Well, we're trying these over the years and stuff on our best in shows and things. And we just wanted to start gravitating towards cast strength Irish and cast strength scotches because we were just looking for that extra part on the back end. So this is really cool seeing these both at cast strength and, you know, everything that it's adding, it's, you know, it's coming to fruition of everything we thought it was going to be. Yeah. You get the apple, the vanilla, and then that pepperiness. It's got a great cider flavor to it. And and not overwhelming, as you said. I don't know if it's quite apologetic, but it's certainly not overwhelming. <laughs> um, exactly. Yeah. It's not, it's not making you, you know, beg for a I mean, nice cube to put in this- here confirmed one of my thesis you know as as uh mike as you drank it you tasted a lot on the back end but the nose was certainly um it, it was up on the front end on the nose too but in the middle you're getting whiskey so i think it's a it's a good sipping whiskey it's great you know paired up with the dessert it's great with a cigar it's great uh in a, a few cocktails again the dapper we mix frequently 
onto cocktail recipes in, in the off-premise places we go to at the pub. We It's it's our go-to in our Irish coffee. And uh, we, we're starting to get on a lot of golf courses and country clubs. So it's it's a green tea, um, T-E-E. We're is that a, home is that a golf pun? Green tea? Yeah, <laughs> yeah T-E-E. The yeah, lowest <laughs> form of humor is a pun, they say. So we're yeah. right you're, you're on the right you're podcast. You're on the right podcast. <laughs> yep, welcome. <laughs> yeah. We start breaking into dad jokes, you know, I've poured another one. So, um, But yeah, so I think it it is great. It's it's not, it could be a, a daily, it could be your, your house whiskey. I, I doubt it. I think the 10 year old or the dapper certainly fill that role a little bit more, but it's a great special occasion whiskey or, or pairing up and with dinners and uh, special occasions. I, I originally thought of it as a spring drink because it's apples and apples remind me of springtime. But then when I drank it, I'm like, heck no, this is autumn, you know? And yeah, I get like holiday, Florida, wintry. Yeah. Yeah. We never get autumn in Florida. So it's, it's good. <laughs> we do here we get everything yeah yeah <laughs> and you know i i thought the cider cask was that perfect whiskey to share on thanksgiving so yeah. handing out to friends on friendsgiving for them to try it out which is fun and speaking of giving away whiskey we do have a bottle of the dapper to give away and historically we sneak in code words into the the episode so you can get double your entries if anybody on instagram wants to DM us that code word. So Brian, do you want to do the honor and pick a code word for the dapper giveaway? Oh, I think the the code word is has got to be haunted. 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 There you is go. The always ghost. Whiskey, always whiskey thing? Sometimes you get two code words too though. So the ghost of Kennedy Castle. And ghost no, that's Kennedy not me Castle walking the grounds right? because I'm so white. Yeah. We're we're gonna have to go into a segue there. You have to tell us about like some hauntings or, or like what what's the weirdest thing that you've come well, across so, so far? It, it, i mean if you if you google it there's been television shows to go discover a ghost and a brief segue from your segue or deviation the, one of the most haunted rooms is the best room in the hotel um it's next to a smaller room that's ground zero for the hauntings and apparently there's a woman who uh, you see in the mirror when you're doing your hair. This is a podcast without video, so nobody can tell that I'm never looking in a mirror at my hair, uh, not in the last 15 years anyway. <laughs> so, um, but when women are in there getting ready to come down to dinner or whatever, they have felt people pull their hair back, uh, those kinds of things. Um, to keep it on at one night, some girl who had uh, set up a corporate there asked what the ghost did, and I told him that it flicked your hair. And I asked her what room she was staying in. It wasn't that room. And, uh, but I told her it was, you know, and then every member of her corporate team came back all night flicking her hair. And so she saw the ghost too, but I think that had more to do with the Guinness and the, and the whiskey. Um, yeah, yeah. There you go. But, but a very cool veteran thing um, right across the hall from that is our, our premier bridal suite. And it is now named the Michael Murphy suite, which is on the challenge coin. Um, I think that we gave you guys. So, oh, I'm uh, checking. Better be. Yeah. Uh, thank you for the coins, too. They're beautiful. Yes. We were very fortunate. We are a veteran owned company with the special ops connection that we already talked about. And one of our passions was in this project for the Castle on the Whiskey was find a way to give back. So, uh, a couple of years ago in 2019, we dedicated the room there to Michael Murphy, uh, Irish Navy SEAL who won. 
the earned the Medal of Honor and celebrated the movie Lone Survivor. And we flew Michael's family over. Uh, Mrs. Murphy, his mom, uh, now has a key in perpetuity to the room. Uh, we had Irish and American veterans uh, there, a lot of special operations dignitaries, the, the helicopter that piloted flew in the rescue mission for him and his family was there. We raised a bunch of money for charity um, and got to really give back a little bit to the veteran community and double down on how much the Irish and Irish Americans have done in service to this great country that we live in. Um, more than 50% of all Medal of Honor recipients are Irish or of Irish descent, which is a phenomenal statistic to me. So that's part of it. Uh, you asked about hauntings though, and I, I made a, uh, as I'm prone to do, I made a veteran pitch. Um, the original ghost was uh, a monk named Hugh. The castle was uh, an abbot at one point in the uh, 1200 through uh, 1600 timeframe. And there's a lot of monks buried on the grounds uh, in our courtyard actually, and they're buried so shallow that uh, we can't excavate and fix the drainage. So gotcha. we, we hope on a Halloween night, a hand sticks up or something and we pray it doesn't happen on a wedding. So it's, you know, we're, yeah. we're, we're trying to balance that, you know? Yeah. Is that like a, is that a good sign for a wedding or a bad side? Uh, as far as omens go, I, I, can't, I can't. I don't know. It's not like yeah. if a groundhog sees a shadow or something, you know, if a skeleton's hand go goes up at your wedding, what does that mean? <laughs> You know, I'll yeah, leave as long that, as it doesn't uh, come up when they say, "Does anybody object?" <laughs> I'll be okay. You know, I feel like when Mike passes away, he could haunt that castle. And he'd just be like roaming around trying to steal people's whiskey. There you go. Yeah, yeah. a good task. <laughs> we actually have a we have a monk with a hood scribing in a book uh, next to the dungeon bar, and for giggles when I'm over there and there's kids in the castle, I'll tell them about the monk and I'll turn the pages of the book overnight and they'll come down and it's on a new page and the kids freak out. And, and <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think that's going to be the, you know, your next chapter here, Devin is messing with children. Oh yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, Devin's due to have his first son in March. Yep. In March, March, March 17th. Now, your wife probably didn't want a seven day delay, but uh, <laughs> I don't know. She might. <laughs> St. Patrick's Day, that'd be a heck of a You day don't get to pick it, so. Yeah, there you go. Yep, you throw go. the Maker's Mark Cellar aged out, and we are drinking Irish whiskey on that it's date, sir. Down the drain. <laughs> Wish I could keep it, but can't. <laughs> well, I'm going to go take a, a quick break here and grab a new glass, just so I'm not overpowered yeah, and we'll, by the... we'll move on to this tenure. Yeah, and we can try out the tenure. Yeah, because the, the cask finish is robust on that cider. It's... That's a really tasty one. And again, a fun one to drink in autumn and experience because like you said, it's very unique. Yeah. Great job on this one. I like the cider a lot. Well, thank you. We're doing some, uh, we're pushing that hard now in, in the fall and um, hopefully it gets the traction that, that we think it will. And it certainly is locally turned this time. Yeah. I'll let him pour. Sounds okay. way back here. Right, we're going to get to, the cork pop and sound on the 10 year old. Oh yeah. If it's 10 go. years, it pops totally different than the other ones. So as you're pouring that, we did enter this in 2022 in the international wine and spirits competition. We were awarded a silver medal score of 93. Uh, that was, you know, pretty high marks for us for the first attempt to uh, compete. Um, 
and I think it deserves it. Um, very proud of that that ranking our first time out. And yeah, well just, done. Just got back and tossed my headphones on. What was that in the ninety three? We scored a 93, which is a silver medal in our national wine and spirits competition uh, in 2022, which was the first year we entered it. We didn't enter this year because it was the same same product, same batch. So okay. uh, we may enter the cider next year and see what that does. Yeah, I really like that competition. I think that one's fun. And our friends over at Bardstown Bourbon Company won IWSC's Distiller of the Year, which was a really fun one too, to see yeah. the whole team up there getting honored for the the yeah. stuff that they've been doing. Can't wait for all those prices to go up. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say things. something nicer, like it's great to see great guys succeed, but you're right, it comes at a price. Right. <laughs> the all things whiskey podcast effect. That's what we do. Well, hopefully. Well, yeah, hopefully, that's why we're here. Hopefully <laughs> some Kennedy Castle spirits and Kennedy Castle whiskey sells too, because these are some fun products. And we have the 10-year in our glasses now. So can you tell us a little bit about this one? Yeah, so the 10-year-old is aged, uh, again, it does. It's our only one of our three whiskeys with an age statement. So as you were describing earlier, the youngest whiskey in there is 10 years old. Um, so it that youngest whiskey will spend uh, nine years in, an, in a former bourbon cask. Uh, then it'll be blended with older whiskey for its final year of aging in an Olorosa sherry cask. Uh, and I can almost never get Olorosa sherry out correctly, so kudos to me tonight. Nice. Um, nice. That's the most common sherry cask, though. But it's a hard word for <laughs> me to say for some reason. I don't know. There's a lot <laughs> gotcha. of words that trip me up. That's one of them. I won't. I won't arm you guys with the other ones because I'll sound like a like the GED recipient I was making fun of earlier. So, <laughs> <laughs> and you know, my bottle is like half gone because I've been really enjoying this one. I've been drinking a lot of it. For me, that that's optimistic when you say your glasses, your bottle's half empty. I'm pretty optimistic about that. Sure. Yeah. In whiskey, it's not as low as the cider though. Just in, throwing that out. There. That's true. Cider's missing more. Yeah. Cider's disappearing fast here and i think and the I, dapper we just opened so that one can't that was fresh crack. like we opened it tonight <laughs> yeah and you I'm know with I, you in the morning yeah i right. think to your point are you a glass half empty or a glass half full well a whiskey bottle half empty is a good good problem to have absolutely you know and I, um, I like i said these have been hits at our friends givings i tried a little sip of this just now and the first thing that hit me is the the sherry's not overpowering at all that's what i was thinking too yeah it's not yeah. super, super whiny. There's not a lot of licorice or anise on there. I think it comes through more as a compliment to the honey vanilla, honeycomb toffee notes on the yeah. the nine-year and X bourbon. And it comes through as a, almost a chocolatey taste, which is really nice. Yeah, I've heard a lot of people say the chocolatey tasting. Again, I I, I don't necessarily get that myself, which is okay. You know, I, I do get the, um, the butterscotch quite a bit, um, which I like. And... Uh, um, a little hint of the vanilla or or something something very smooth and rich and velvety that makes it uh, go down better for me. Um, and I do, again, I think it has enough of a hint of bourbon to make a nice transition from a traditional bourbon drinker. We're selling pretty well in Tennessee right now. And uh, whenever I take it to some of the better uh, whiskey shops there, they all note that, that, hey, this isn't far off from what we would traditionally drink here in the, in the middle of the country. So I'm, I'm happy it came out that way. 
Yeah. And, and, you know, take it full circle to, it seems like one of the best introductory Irish whiskeys for bourbon drinkers is Breadbreast 12. And that, this yeah. tastes a lot like that, in my opinion. Not surprising. Like I said, it was when John started to send those shoe boxes over, one of the questions was, what do I drink? And I talked uh, at the time, Yellow Spot. I talked about Redbreast 12. Um, talked a little bit about Writer's Tears, which wasn't that popular right then. But I think I'd just come back from Ireland with my kids and we did every tasting we could. And routinely that came up as our favorite in the blind taste at the end of the tours or the tasting. So um, I think this is a good mix with a, if any of those appeal to you, this would certainly appeal to you and then some, but it stands alone too, right? It's got its own, its own taste and its own uh, palate. Yeah. Sure. Three very distinct whiskeys, honestly. Yeah, absolutely. Between the three of them. Very, Probably very mostly distinct. just because all the different finishes, but still, you know, very good expressions. And like, there's a lot to gain from each of them that are different from the others. Yeah. For this, and this one, we don't, um, you know, I was told by the guy who runs Pierce Lions now, the master, just still there, Connor Ryan. He goes, somebody asked him, what do you put in your whiskey, ice, drop of water, neat? And he goes, you paid for it, put in what you want. So I, I hesitate to tell people how to drink their whiskey. But uh, for this, we always say this pairs just with a friend, uh, maybe a cigar. And we 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 have a little whiskey club where we talk of many things and uh, – we go through a lot of 10-year-old and cigars in that process. I'm going to pair it with my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, I love pair it with a friend in Devon's there. I'm going to pair it with my mouth. Oh, and, <laughs> and Mike. I might, oh, yeah. I don't know. What, hang, am I, what am I, chopped liver? Probably hang with Mike, too. That's, <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> now, so we have three distinct whiskeys here. What are the price points on these? I'm curious to hear. Yeah, so um, the Dapper is our entry level. That's retailing most places for about 45 bucks a bottle. Okay. 44. Um, because somehow that's a magic number, as we all know. Sure. This is 45. Um, the cider cask is currently going for around 50, but we're going to raise the price based on it's a smaller batch, it's getting more popular. And um, our cost of getting the next batch of fairly rare uh single malt and fairly rare. Cider cask is going to drive up our cost, so that's we're going to pass. Yeah, so it's harder it's harder to get the barrels for it, right? It is of the, the cider the popularity ones. Of the cider cask, it certainly right. is. Um, there it so, is. The all things whiskey podcast effect. We drink the cider cask, and the price goes up. You heard it from the like man that. himself. There it is. Yep. <laughs> but it's. Uh, I think that's going to end up retailing right at the uh, sixty dollar mark, and the ten okay. year old, depending on where you are, is either fifty nine or sixty five dollars, and. Uh, so again, that's to me a very approachable price point. For Those are all years. great prices. Yeah, very good. Yeah, and it, it, you know we see a lot in American whiskey at that ten dollars per year mark. So for ten years, you're up at a hundred bucks usually. Uh, of course, there's always exceptions there too. Um, but sixty five bucks for the ten years, a, that's a great, great price. And I think you know you, you mentioned Yellow Spot, right? That's up over a hundred bucks for the twelve year. And it's getting harder to find good age statements at an approachable price. So I think that's right. that's right where it should be. You can get red breast for under like 65 or 70 now too. So. Yeah. Cask strength up over 100 now too. Yep. And I don't see that changing anytime soon. You know, maybe a, a dollar here or there. Um, but again, you never know what happens. You know, COVID had a 
huge effect not only on our getting started, but the supply chain. You know, I'm, I, we got ahead of the game on the, the global shortage of bottles, and I got enough right. bottles to meet our three-year forecast, which is not just-in-time delivery. Um, uh, but, you yeah. know, you couldn't get grains. You couldn't get wheat. There's all kinds of – and who knows what's going to happen next in this crazy mixed-up world. So and like, that's you what know, we just- Distilled spirits has been a strange game too, because like it, it always seems like they're the first to raise prices and the last to lower prices. I don't know how they get away with that market, but they do every single time, and it's just like, yeah, that's I, just I, how it is. As popular as it's getting, with the number of clubs popping up and tastings that we're asked to go do and um, asked not to because there's too many other people horning in, it's it's getting to be a pretty crowded space. So we know we've got to stand out again. I tell our team. All the time, the two buzzwords are uh, authenticity and uh, approachability, and I think we're holding on to those. We um, we're building up some, as you said, tourism over there to the castle. We have some of those experiences at uh, whiskey tastings as well. We bring in Irish speakers and and a veteran cause to it as well. Yeah, I and- think that that's my gauge of the economy. Is how's the economy doing? I don't know. What are the whiskey prices? <laughs> well, if the whiskey prices really start falling, the economy's not doing good. <laughs> well, it's funny. It's all all stereotypes are grounded in reality. Otherwise, right? it's fine. In Ireland, the, the pacing horse is a pint of Guinness. You can raise the price of eggs 100%. Nobody cares. You go 50, half a euro now, more per Guinness, and the town's revolting. You know, they're, they're running out of burning the Bastille, so to speak. So. And with these whiskeys, where are you distributing now? Because I, I heard like the first shipment just hit Colorado of Kennedy whiskeys. It did. Yeah. So we are in traditional, you know, brick and mortar retail in Connecticut, uh, Massachusetts, Rhode Island. It kind of makes sense for an Irish whiskey, right? Florida, South Carolina, Tennessee, Texas, and now Colorado. We are direct to consumer effective Friday, December 1st. Um, we will be in 35 states. Um, don't ask me to rattle them all off. And then <laughs> uh, I think the laws are changing that by January, that number will expand to every state that will allow direct to consumer. And I think that number is going to settle in around 45 of the states plus the District of Columbia. Okay. Okay. You got to rattle all those off. No, I'm just kidding. Please don't. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> On our web, the best way to get to us for direct consumers, right from our website, we will conveniently tell you very late in the process. Sorry, we don't ship there. We actually tell you that up front, but nobody pays attention to that. And then when it gets to fulfillment, it goes, oh, sorry, we can't ship there. So we're and working you- on that too. I apologize up front. That should be fixed in the next couple of days where you know we can get it to you or not right away. Well, I was going to say, then you start, you know, calling up your friends right on the state lines too. who can get it. We, <laughs> I grew up in DC and the conundrum of Maryland, DC and Virginia, how to get booze. Um, I never thought my family were bootleggers, but they're getting pretty close. You know? Yeah. Right. <laughs> Money they're running up and down the state lines. You know, we went to school in Fort Collins, Colorado at Colorado state. And back when we went to school, Colorado right. was a dry state on Sundays. So there are a couple times you got to go run up to Laramie, Wyoming, grab some beer and come back. <laughs> yeah. Very true. Yeah, we definitely did that trip a couple of times. Well, in my day in school, because I'm quite a bit older, it was when they just changed all the drinking ages 
to 21, and he did it incrementally. And the bars closed at different times, Maryland, D.C., and Virginia. So you had to have this mental matrix of, I'm old enough to drink there, but it's too late. You know, so let's start the day yeah. <laughs> at three in the, however it worked, it, you ended up in Maryland because by then they weren't checking IDs and they were open till three. So, yeah. Imagine being like 17 and a half and that's the year that they changed it to 21, starting man. in like a month. Yeah, and then brought back the draft. <laughs> Keep waiting. <laughs> Get wrecked. <laughs> yeah, they changed the drinking laws. They brought back the draft. Man, I could see what, like what a year. College campuses you know? too. But then they made well, weed leaves, so you're all good out there, you know? This has been an experience trying these out and hearing the story. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. I'm curious to know if people are looking for Kennedy. You said the website is a great place to find them. And then you have some Kennedy social Castle media Spirits. too. Yeah. KennedyCastleSpirits.com. Um, the hotel is KennedyCastleHotel.com. We are on all the, the main social media platforms, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, you can follow us there. We've got a LinkedIn page for the professionals who may be wanting, you know, corporate Christmas gifts. We can talk about that. We're starting to do a professional tasting series where we come out as founders of the company and I bring some ex-military guys and we talk whiskey and war story type type things. So those are all, we're reachable on LinkedIn for that. Okay. Awesome. Anything else you want to tell the listeners before we start to wrap this one up? Yeah, If, if we're not where you can easily find us, the easiest thing to do is Ask your favorite bartender or liquor store to carry us that you heard about us in the All Things <laughs> Whiskey podcast and you demand that they carry Kennedy Castle and then buy the first bottle. It'll take care of itself. And uh, in Colorado, especially, you know, we're looking forward to, to moving some product out there. I've got some dear friends down there in Colorado Springs, as you might imagine, with my background. Sure. Um, and a chance to come out to a hockey game will be fun again. So. Yeah, my mom lived in uh, Fountain for a number of years in Colorado Springs, right across the road from Fort Carson. Yeah, yeah. Between that and an annual Mecca to Red Rocks, I'll be up there soon enough. So, yeah, there you go. If you wind up in town, give us a holler. What? Yeah, we'll come hang. We'll go. Uh, no we'll go watch a watch a hockey game for sure. That would be a lot of fun. You can teach me why I've been enjoying whiskey. I know I have, but you guys know. <laughs> Well, you know, this has been an absolute blast. So thank you so much, Brian Bean, founder, partner, owner, Kennedy Castle Spirits. Until thank next you guys time. Congratulations on the congratulations on the the uh, recent marriage and the soon baby. So thank you. Gosh, yeah. Thank you. You know, life life uh finds a way and gets in the way, but you know what? We love doing this podcast. We love chatting with new brands. So it's been been an absolute blast. Appreciate it, fellas. Good luck and have a very Merry Christmas. Thank you. you. And until next time, it's your host, Mike Alcalt, signing off. Deb Mitchell signing off. Oh, and real quick, of course, right? You know where to find us. Allthingswhiskeypodcast.com, at allthingswhiskeypodcast on Instagram, allthingswhiskey on TikTok. Look, if you can find a podcast somewhere, iTunes, Spotify, Google, you can find us. We're on all of them. I want to thank all of our fans and supporters and listeners out there for continuing to follow the podcast and explore fun new brands like this. If you made it this far in the episode, I think you're legally required to go to patreon.com slash all things whiskey podcast and look at that program too, because we're doing cool stuff there. All right. That's actually all I have. Now I'm signing off. Now Mike, I'm signing off. <laughs> <laughs>